You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. Jared, thanks for letting me back on. I know Kyle kicked me off last episode. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't really. I I was out of town, and Jared t- uh, Jared and uh, Kyle took over for me. Uh, but appreciate you... Kyle t- doing that for me. Wait, you uh, weren't here last week? I'm kidding. Ah, uh, you didn't miss <laughs> You were me? missed. You were missed. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there were there are plenty of things that were missed, and one of them was Auburn's offensive production. Even though we had yards on the on the ground, it seemed like we we had some issues this last game against South Carolina, and uh, Auburn ended up coming up short against South Carolina. And man, Jared, this is one of those I feel like it hit pretty hard for most people. Um, but we're going to try to kind of see where we're at. And there's plenty of season left. I know everybody's going to say it. you got six games left at least, plus maybe a bowl game. Um, if I'm assuming bowls are happening, I'm assuming that. Um, so yeah, they you've, actually got, said, you've got some they actually, season. They actually came out and said every every team is bowl eligible. Uh, that, that's, that's not a joke. Insane. They really came out and said that. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, that'll be really interesting to see if like a two and eight team ends up getting a bowl that would be the weirdest one of the weirdest things ever yep Man. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna happen i mean there's i mean like i always thought you know a five and seven team i think that happened maybe a handful of times over the last few years but i always thought that was weird but now somebody who loses most of their games i don't think they deserve a bowl but yeah i agree sir i agree yeah. um so jared i mean the offense itself had some bright points. I mean, we had tons of yards, but couldn't ever finish. Um, at least not consistently, at least. Do you have any idea what's going on there? That seems to be one of those trends of where where we're getting down to the red zone, but we're having to settle for field goals. And we did that three times this game. Where what's happening here? What what's going on? I think um I think we've maybe two things. I think we've fallen in love with the throw to Seth. Um, and I could see why you would fall in love with that. Um, but when it doesn't work, we're like, Oh, now we got to run different plays. Um, and I also think that, you know, I think coordinators get bored. I mean, we're running the ball down the field pretty well. And then you get down there and you kind of try to get cute. Mm. And it's not just Chad. It's not just Gus. All coordinators do that. They get bored. I literally think that game, we probably could have ran tank and DJ, you know, 50 times and we probably win that ball game. I think we ran them like 37, maybe all combined. Yeah. Something um, like that. And that probably included some of Bo's runs, but I think they just, I don't know, man, I will say it was a great play call on the slant route to uh stove, Eli stove to score. Uh, that yeah. was something we had not seen a lot. Well, so I mean, was... just in general slants and then over the middle, we haven't seen many, much of that 
this season. No. And to pull that out in the red zone, that was a uh, very clutch. And hey, Eli made a he was wide open and found that little seam, got right in the end zone. We missed Eli, man. He had a couple of clutch catches yesterday, and he was probably the more consistent. I mean, listen, we all know Bo struggled, but the receivers didn't help any. I mean, a lot of the receivers didn't help yesterday. So yeah. I don't know. I, but but as far as the, your question about red zone, I think it's a combo of I think we're going Bo first, second down. I don't know what we're doing after that, and I don't know that we really have a plan. So we need to realize Bo's not or uh, Seth's not going to catch all those. And we need yeah. to make sure we have a backup. And maybe we don't do that every time because then if he doesn't catch it, now you're second and 10. You gained nothing on first down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that puts you a little bit in a hole, in my opinion. How about what, what do you think it is? Uh, my my first reaction is there's been some weird play calling stuff going on in the red zone, like you've pointed out. And I think a lot of that has to do with it. But I'm going to put a little bit of, of that on sometimes uh, – sometimes it seems like Bo may not be making the right decision in the red zone. And this is where I kind of want to talk about Bo and try to find that balance of what we know he can be as a playmaker, but try to find a balance of potentially being part game manager and balance the playmaker versus game manager. And I think there's got to be something there because it seems like sometimes he just takes too much on himself in these red zone situations. And, I want him to maybe take a step back and understand he's in a good offense. I mean, we put up almost 500 yards of offense. That's a good offense, just yards-wise. Now, getting into the end zone is a different story. And that's where I do think Bo may need to take a step back and say, I need to play a little bit more in the system and maybe play less. uh, I I, I want to say selfish but sometimes it's not really selfish. It's playing for his team, putting his body on the line. It's just taking things into his own hands, I guess is a better way to say it. Does that make sense where I'm kind of going with this and like playmaking, kind of balancing that out with being a game manager? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, you know, listen, I think that in high school, Bo was able to do those things and run around and chunk it. And I don't know, he can't do that in the SEC. And I was talking to a buddy of mine and I said, you know, he's a really good runner. Like, I mean, that was kind of what got us down to the nine yard line to, you know, we wish we would have had an attempt in the end zone. Yeah. If I'm the coach right now, I don't know what's going wrong. And I know this doesn't help for his development for, for Auburn. If I'm the coach, I'm saying, listen, you got two reads. You look at two reads. If they're not there, you look to run because, Mm. When Bo stands back there, well, he had some time yesterday. Well, I mean, I was surprised. He had some time, and he was not making smart decisions, and he was being reckless with the ball yesterday. He's not always that way. So I'm thinking, give the man two reads. If they're not there, let him use his legs. I mean, he's he's pretty athletic. Yeah, and and if maybe the run's not there, maybe have a design running back go out of the backfield a little bit for a dump that, route. I mean, Or throw it away. I, yeah, I think that's another thing. Yeah, true. That's another thing. So let's talk about the second interception, I believe. Some people are like, was that on Seth? Was that on Bo? Mm -hmm. I think it was a combo. I don't think Seth gave 100% effort. Bo threw it behind him. That throw never really should have probably been made, though, because it was a very tight window. That guy's a good DB. They were talking about he could be in the NFL. That was one of those where he waited a long time. There wasn't really anything there. And, you know, maybe just throw it away. Like yeah. I think if we can get Bo to realize, listen, not every play, has, a successful play can sometimes be not turning it over and not losing yardage. 
Yeah. No, that's a that's another good point of sometimes it's fitting in the system and knowing it's whatever down, first, second down, something like that, and knowing we still have another down to go. Now, if it's a third down and you need this first down, that's when you, you can force things, but you yes. got to know the situation. You got to know the um, situation, and let's talk about that real quick, okay? Because, we right, listen, I know Bo, I, I don't want to go too much into coaching, but we're driving with 20-something seconds left right before half. We don't call a timeout. And then Bo runs around for 12 seconds, and we essentially mm-hmm. have no more time left. So the coaches should have said, hey, look, you can't be back there running around. We need to – listen, we don't have a lot of time. Probably call a timeout, make sure everybody's head's focused and is on the same page. We yep. did not, and we wasted an opportunity to get points there. No, I agree. And I was thinking in that moment uh, – and that's uh, this is where it's kind of like this coaching and Bo kind of balance going on of finding Bo uh, – giving him some flexibility, but also saying we, we have a certain 30 seconds left. We need you to be quick with the ball, get out of bounds, um, do something to stop the clock. And that's, that's where I saw Bo a little faltering a little bit. And that's something that I think the coaches are, I mean, by how much they, they zoomed in on Chad Morris and Bo Nix talking on the sidelines throughout the game you know, if that if that's just like the tip of the iceberg, how many conversations are going to have over this next week between Chad and Bo about in these situations, what do we do? And Bo's going to learn from them. He's, He's got to learn. He's got to learn from them. And I'll, this is the last I'll say about this. The one time we needed him to be reckless and say, listen, there's no time left on the clock. You just got to throw it up. He doesn't. So the coaches need to, I, I put a lot of this on them. They need to say, listen, there, this is the last play. You throw it up and either Seth catches it, maybe we get a pass interference, get it mm-hmm. down to the two. But nothing, But you have to throw it up. You can't run it and go down because the game's yep. over. Um, and so it feels like we're not doing the right things at the right time. Like you mentioned, all right, if it's first down, maybe throw it away. Now, if it's third, you got to re-risky. Um, I think there could ju- – and he's still a sophomore. Mm-hmm. I know I've even said he played a full season, so he's experienced. And he is – but he is still a 19-year-old kid. Um, Joe Burrow was not Joe Burrow, you know, two years ago. So they, he can progress and things can get better. They just – we need that to start happening. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to address this because I think this is something that you're kind of alluding to is potentially what what do we do after Bo? And sometimes I do think that Bo needs to maybe be sat down just a little bit for maybe one possession and have maybe Grant Lloyd go out there and see, just let, let Bo sit, think about what he's doing. Cause there were plenty of times. I mean, you saw how much frustration there was between Bo and coaches and teammates this game. And some of that, I think you just need to calm down, be even killed. No, just trust in the system. And, and that's where I think Bo lost a little bit of trust there. Um, and I think it can be regained, but he lost some of that mid-game. Um, and after that point, it was kind of hard to come back from that, um, at least in this game. But Bo's a gamer. Bo's like that guy that's like, hey, get on my back. Um, Bo's got four- and five-star athletes around him, and he doesn't – sometimes we need him to not do that. Mm-hmm. And um, Bo's got all the talent in the world. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I was – very hard on him during the game. I mean, the more I've had time to, you know, relax, I'm like, he he is what's going to be the that gets us there. But 
He just needs to realize he's surrounded by other very talented people and he needs to rely on them. And also those guys need to do their job. Cause I mean, you know, there was some times yesterday they didn't really help him out. So it just wasn't a great team effort. Um, all in all, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's probably what's most frustrating is to see the offense not clicking especially but in the red did. zone <laughs> it's like they didn't and they did yeah but I mean, exactly they, yeah you, i mean you can't put up 500 yards when your whole offense isn't clicking i mean there's something that's working it's just getting to the finish line which is the end zone and actually scoring the six points versus settling for a field goal or maybe punting the ball you mentioned this and then we probably got to move on but you i think you kind of got to it and we never we we went around it so you're talking about should he be a game manager or should he be the guy listen he threw 47 times yesterday we rushed for 209 yards um I, the way we're running the ball against arkansas who is now obviously not a bad team and south carolina is not great but they have good defense and we ran the ball for 209 yards mm-hmm. if you would have told me that Gus Malzahn was going to start building a team that ran for 200 and something yards every game, I would have said, oh, we're we're going to win easy. So I think we do go back both through it 47 times. If we're running for 209 yards, in my opinion, we don't need to be throwing it 47 times. That's my opinion. Yeah, um, I, I think some of that does need to be toned back. And, I mean, I was looking at – let's look at the numbers for Tank Bigby here. 16 carries, 111 yards, solid game for him. I mean, props to him. I feel like he's been in the last – maybe what four games essentially kind of been the standout star here and got a touchdown count finally got his first touchdown which is awesome <laughs> um but he's one of those i i don't want them to run him into the ground and so there's got to be a balance there where where is that next guy and i think next guy i mean just looking at numbers here dj williams is that guy so you got to have that balance right there of how much do you run tank and how much do you run dj and then once Sean Shivers comes back and he's healthy and ready to go, uh, bring him in. Bring him into that mix of that three deep. And maybe if you need to, go to a fourth deep. But uh, definitely Tank and DJ, I think, are your two combos right there. Uh, does that, uh, is, are you trying to think along the same lines as that with adding more running? Like go to those guys? Yes. Or yeah, yeah. I think I think you go back. So I think we came into this season thinking Bo and the receivers were going to be the offense. They are not, and they're they're good. They're good enough to help us win. I think the offense now clearly, and maybe the offensive line is just better this way. We need to we need to rely on our running backs. We need to run the ball consistently. We need to stick with that. And I think uh, Tank probably needs twenty carries, but we could argue on that. If even if you don't give him twenty, he needs more in the red zone. So you need to have him in a healthy position or, or not tired to where when he we get in the red zone, you can hand him the ball. And I don't know if we're not because he's the one getting us there and he's tired or it's just not in the game plan, but that needs to be in the game plan. That guy is a he's a playmaker. Yeah. And you don't pull a playmaker off the field and not give him the ball when you're in the most important part of the field, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And even if he is in the game, it seems like in the red zone we're not using him like we were through the other you know, 75% of the field. And that's something that I, I want to see change a little bit is using Tank more in that red zone situation. I know he's a smaller guy, but it's obvious he can make piles move. He can bounce off guys. He's not afraid to take a hit. I mean, when, you, when you're in that kind of situation, give him the ball and make let him do things. Um, he's one of those I feel like even as a freshman, I can put some trust in him. Not 100% trust, 
yet because we are, we've only really seen what four games of him, but enough to say, I think he he's worthy of more trust and let's see what he does with that extra trust. Okay. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of wide receivers because we kind of alluded to a little bit with uh, Seth Williams, but I kind of wanted to talk about what besides Seth Williams, because Seth Williams was shut down for the most part of this game, despite he still being our leading receiver here uh, with 74 uh, yards on four receptions, but it, they were shutting him down for the most part. And it seemed like we're kind of going to a couple of different guys, probably uh, Sean or uh, Anthony Schwartz, probably right after him. And then probably Eli stove after that, where do you see like the depth kind of starting to develop with our wide receivers? Now that we're four games in, we're seeing extra guys like Xavier capers um, and Shedrick Jackson, get more action on the field. Where, where do you see that kind of uh, gap right behind Seth Williams and how that kind of uh, bounces out? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Seth, Seth is the number one guy. Um, but yeah, well, he can't be the only, I think we spread, spread it around pretty well. I think we threw it to seven receivers. Um, to me, you know, uh, Eli is like your steady Eddie. I mean, he's the guy that you can count on. Um, you need him. Uh, Schwartz is a guy who runs pretty good routes. I think he may have dropped a few yesterday, but, um, he runs good routes. He can break it open. We just can't seem to get him the ball. Like we always overthrow him, which amazes me how you overthrow him. But, um, I think Capers could be the wild card because he's a tall body that can go over the middle. And the only two passes I can think of that we threw him over the middle, he caught. Now, one of them, he, I think he thought he got a first down and he didn't because he got up celebrating. Um, <laughs> but we, it was like, it was third and more than 10. So he, he caught the ball. He got decent yardage. So I think he could be that X factor of, all right, we already know what the other three guys can do. Had that fourth element over the middle, tall guy, go up and get it. Um, we have capable, like, I, I don't know, man. I'm looking at the talent that we have, and with the O-line now playing, I would say the O-line is now playing average. They're not great. Mm-hmm. They're bad. They're now average. And with the talent we have, I, I just don't get it. I don't know why we're not putting up more points. Yeah, and let's, let's I mean, you mentioned O-line. I think we should kind of talk about them and where they're at this part in the season, four games in. I, I think run, run, they're definitely better than, I think, last year's offensive line. Anything they seem to be getting a push. Maybe it's the Tank Bigsby effect where he's making holes himself, but I don't think so. I think this run or run offense is definitely a lot better than last year. Pass offense seems to be slowly getting there. Um, we didn't have nearly as many uh, pocket breakdowns or times where I feel like uh, Bo was running for his life. So they're slowly getting there. Um, did you notice anything else about this offensive line this game? I mean, I, I would say the offensive line did not cost us this game. Now, we need the offensive line to start winning us games, and I wouldn't say they did that either, but they didn't cost us the game. And at this point, to me, with the skill position players we have, that's good enough to win. We don't need them to cost us the game. And they didn't cost us the game, and we still didn't win. So that kind of leaves me scratching my head, honestly. I do think you're right. I think the offensive line on the run game is doing very well. Um, you know, I, I know that – I mean, look, Arkansas is playing really good. And we had over 200 yards rushing against them. So I I think we would have had over – I think we would have had a lot more against Kentucky if we would have known what Tank was at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so – I think we're going to be able to run the ball on people. There are no great defenses in the SEC but Georgia, 
and they got exposed, but it was on the deep ball. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I think uh, the O line has definitely improved from week one to today. Yeah, and and that's something that I think is a a staple in what we think of Gus Malzahn's offense, and with uh, Chad Morris's offense being pretty similar, not exactly obviously, but similar enough. You got to have, I mean, just winning the battle up front for any team is a good sign for a team. And I still, I see that, that moving further and further towards Auburn's side, where I thought, especially in the Georgia game, Auburn's line, offensive and defense, got beat oh, it was all bad. over and yeah. over and over. And to see now Georgia's offense or uh, Georgia's defense is very good, but I see the improvement. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, we don't have, the the five star offensive linemen, but we have guys that are now gelling together slowly but surely. And I think that's something to keep keep an eye on, and I think that that'll, that'll build that trust in Bo uh, going forward, so he won't bail out of the pocket like he has in the past True. three games. Really, good um, point. And, and that'll give him confidence to stand in the pocket, throw to his guy, set his feet, and that's when he's that's when he he's doing well. Uh, is when that happens. Hey, Auburn family, we're going to take a quick breather from this episode to bring you an important message. One of the most well-known things about Auburn fans is how loyal they are, and we show that loyalty by the colors that we wear. Let us help you stock up on those colors by going over to our tpublic.com store. There you'll find a variety of merchandise geared towards designs based on E2C Network and Auburn content. While TeePublic is known for their t-shirts, they have a wide selection of merchandise options for you to select one of these designs to be put on. They also have other types of apparel, stickers, mugs, and much more. Here's the beauty of it. Your purchase will help support this network and the content that we regularly produce. The purchase will also go to support independent artists who put a lot of hard work into designing these concepts, especially for you, the Auburn family. And did I mention that they regularly have sales? T-shirts for $13? You have to be kidding me. If you're ready to explore your purchase options, head on over to tpublic.com slash store slash E2C Network. You can also get there by going to our website at e2cnetwork.com slash support. Now that you've got some options to suit up for game day, let's head back into this episode. All right, let's let's shift a little bit to defense. Um the defense itself, I think, did pretty well. Not great, but did pretty well. Uh, and I'm kind of backing this up by the number of yards um, that they allowed. 297 yards of offense uh, for South Carolina. Uh, the the times where South Carolina obviously uh, did great was in those short field situations right after interceptions. And I think that, that just puts your defense in a, a tough spot already. Um but we got to get better, and and coaches have been saying this on third down. And I was looking at our third down rate. I think we started out pretty good um, early in the game, but South Carolina came back and they were completing uh, over half of their third down conversions. Um, and that's something that I know has been an emphasis for this defense. Um, I, we got to keep watching that because if you can stop a team on third down uh, and force them to punt, kick the ball, uh, you're you got a good good defense there and gets the ball back in Auburn's offensive hands. Um, so keep, keep that eye on that. Um, what did you think of our defense overall this game? Um, and how they did? 
I mean, watching it live, I was a little disappointed, but I went back and looked at the stats, and you're right. I mean, they I think they only gave up 297 yards. Um, you know, I mean, they had two interceptions. I think the drive started inside the 30, and then one was, you know, in, on the 49 of, of Auburn's side. So, you know, short fields. Um, you know, I would uh, – I think we got accustomed to defenses of the past. They may have given up one touchdown out of those, as crazy as that sounds. That's yeah. how good they were. So yeah. we got used to, okay, well – yeah, we gave up the turnover and you're going to get a field goal, but you're not scoring. And I feel like that's not happening this year. I mean, they're, and they're, they're getting gashed. I mean, it's like, I think maybe two runs were like outside the 15 and there was nobody there. The guy basically walked in the end zone. So, um, but here's the deal. KJ Britt, I mean, that's like losing, that's like losing your starting quarterback. Um, you know, so I don't fault them. I think the D line is playing a lot better. We got big cat back. I think Wooden's playing really well. I mm-hmm. think the linebackers are doing enough. I think the secondary's become our liability. Um, they're either getting burned or they're pass interfering or they're getting called for it. Now, SEC officials like throwing pass interference flags like my kids like asking for snacks. I mean, it's all the time. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, even the Georgia-Alabama game, I'm like, are y'all serious? I mean, they just love throwing pass interference flags. Um, I don't think that two of those were on McQuarrie, but at the end of the day, they're getting called. And we're either getting beat or we're getting PIs, and we need to fix that. Yeah, and while I was thinking back of back to the recent defensive backs of old, and a lot of them early on in their careers got called for a lot of pass interferences. They learned that line of what can I do to harass the wide receiver but not get a, a pass interference call mm-hmm. on me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's got to be a growing thing for these guys. Um <clears throat> Because there's way too many. I mean, I think combined with the interceptions and then the pass interferences are just bad penalties that we got this game. I think that costs us uh, the game. If we we may not if we may not have a couple of those pass interferences on third down and long, we force a, uh, a South Carolina to punt the ball. I mean, yep. you're in a different situation here, and some of those ended up turning into touchdowns. They um, did. And Smoke and, Monday had the face mask. And listen, I, yep. I know you're going all out and stuff. I get all that. But that's the difference between winning and losing when you're not great. You know, we might be great one day. We're not. You can't do that stuff. Um, yeah. you got to be more disciplined. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And that, that comes down to, uh, I think, player discipline and coaching. And so it's got to be those combined things of coaches making sure – you know what the the line is there yep. and then teaching that to your guys of what is pass interference what's not obviously face mask is one of those just it's black and white almost so uh yeah i think the one thing that i was very much impressed with was our front seven yep um, i agree i think the front seven for defense is getting a lot better because when you have guys like marlon davis and Derek brown gone you got to fill in some big holes. And I feel like those guys are slowly creeping their way up to, um, maybe not up to the the standards of Marlin and Derek Brown, but as a whole kind of doing, uh, I guess, better as a whole, if that makes sense. I think Wooden had six or nine tackles and two of them for, were for loss. I mean, he's, yep. I think Wooden's become the guy you build around. Um, you know, when, when big cat comes back and gets more playing time, maybe he, also you know on the other side but i think i think wooden's becoming a very very much so a pleasant surprise yeah i mean wooden had six tackles he had a tackle for loss actually two 
a quarterback hurry on top of all that. And that uh, one of those was a jet sweep where he just read it and he was, mm-hmm. he was ready for the guy. As soon as yeah. the guy got the jet sweep, Wooden was in his, in his face. There was nowhere for him to go, nowhere to juke around Wooden and got attacked for loss. I mean, there was, there were great plays and just vision that I think that, you're starting to see the instincts. Um, I remembered KJ Brett getting interviewed before the season talking about there's just instincts that you, you have under Kevin Stills defense. And once you get those and you know what to do in certain situations, you just react. You don't have to think you just react and you know what's going to happen and where to be. And you're starting to see that more and more of those guys getting that Um, even with KJ Brett, maybe likely being out for the rest of the season, um, which is obviously very unfortunate for our offense or for our defense. Sorry. I, I um, do want to give a quick shout out. I think somebody in the secondary, you know, P- uh, Owen Papo caught the interception, but somebody mm-hmm. calls that they read that. I yeah. Don't know it was if it's tut. Tut or not, tut. Yeah. He read that and, and got his hand in. So I got to give him some credit. That was a good play. Um, you know, that, you know, that probably should have saved the game for us because they were driving and you know, that if we could have gone down, you know, if we could have put more points on the board, that was a that should have been a huge play for us, um, so I got to give Tut credit for that. Yeah, I mean, without Tut uh, pretty much breaking on that ball, causing the tip, it, Owen wouldn't have got that interception. No. Um, I mean, I, honestly, at that point, I, I looked at my wife watching the game, and I was like, "This is a huge momentum shifter right yep. now." Um, I thought so, and I mean, it did shift some momentum, but it wasn't enough. Um, and and that's where I think our offense with the interceptions just you you can't when you have three interceptions in a game it's just that we're not good enough to overcome that right now. Yeah, I mean, few teams are um, not just Auburn, but few teams are. Um, let's talk about some special teams here. I mean, this was another one of those bright points I think of our team. Um, Anders was three for three um, on his field goal is a thirty five, a thirty eight, and a twenty two yarder. Um, our punting was what was pretty much on average par with what we've done in the past 45 yard average. Aiden Marshall was our sole puncher for this game. I don't know where Australian, uh, now I'm forgetting his name, the Australian puncher guy. Uh, dang it. I, should I can't think it. I can't think <laughs> uh, but Aiden Marshall did well. And, uh, one of the things that I was also kind of looking for was maybe some punt returns to this game. And besides punt returns it seemed like the opposite and this is where i think we need to have tut pick up some of these punts even if they're short or something just pick them up because they they just kept rolling inside the 10 um i think there was only one that finally went into the end zone um but i think there needs to be a little bit of a learning that goes on with tut there was at least two, if not three, where I saw Tut just kind of like look at the ball and then it rolled right past him. Mm-hmm. And he could have picked it up right there, even if mm-hmm. he had fair caught it, you know, and just kept it right there. Um, but, of course, it just rolled right to like the two-yard line or something. <laughs> yeah, um, I, agree. I agree with you. Any other observations about this uh, special teams performance uh, this week? No, I mean, Carlson's, you know, he's solidified. He's, he's money. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can, we, I don't want to see him as much, but, um, when we send him out, he's good. Punting was, I thought, like you said, was, you know, nothing terrible. That didn't cost us the game. Um, you know, your, your baseline on special teams is don't cost us a game. And then the really good ones can go win you a game. 
Mm-hmm. We're not at the go-win-you-a-game level, but I don't think special teams cost us the game. So, you know, I can live with that, honestly. Um, I, yeah, I'm with you on Tut. I think that we need to do some more training on, hey, don't, you know, even if fair catch them, that's fine. You don't have to get anything out of it, but don't let them, you know, roll for another 20 or 30 yards. Um, I, I will say, uh, having watched Alabama, their kicker on kickoffs, I thought everybody was putting it in the end zone. He cannot. He can get it mm-hmm. just to the 10-yard line. So I think we take Carlson for granted. Um, we put every one of our kickoffs through the back of the end zone. So that that you know that helps the special teams and not having to burn energy on that. So all in all, I would say they did. I say they did their job. Yeah, I think so too. The the one little I'm going to put it like an asterisk by it was our decision to go for two, um, and that was <clears throat> I'm going to put that on special teams. But it was still kind of like I know Gus likes to go for two uh, early in the game, right after a touchdown. But that was just a weird play. Uh, I don't know what they they saw in practice where they were thinking that could be successful. Where they literally, Piggies flips it to it's Grant Loy, and then he tries to throw it in the end zone. Yeah. And I was like, Yeah, there's that was too much going on. It, now I thought that cost i'm like man we're eight points down that but my uh, brother-in-law pointed out that um uh south carolina went for two after they scored so they if they would have just kicked the extra point they we still would have been down eight essentially yeah so that didn't really cost us and we didn't score anyways to even have the opportunity to go for two but it's, it didn't change that dynamic so I, at the end i was like yeah okay i wasn't as mad but the play was just like i mean if you want to go for two go for two but like that was too much um, yeah going on in my opinion no, I agree, and that that was kind of. Uh, I mean, I know Gus is trying to like show some different two point conversion stuff than what was successful. Uh, what was it a couple weeks ago? Yeah, and this was just a little too weird, in my opinion. And if we're gonna go for two, let's let's do it and have a good game plan. Um, but I don't know. It, obviously, it's one of those dynamics of when it goes right, we're like, oh, that was great. That was a genius play. And mm-hmm. then when it goes wrong, you're like, that was the dumbest play ever. There's literally oh, no absolutely. middle yeah, we ground get to, there. Yeah, we get to wait and see how the play works before we decide if we like it. Coaches don't get to do that. So. Yeah. Um, Jared, any other thoughts about this game? I mean, obviously it hurt. Um, I think it hurt most Auburn fans just watching the game. But we got through it, and I think there's some definitely some points to glean from this. I mean, I don't even think we mentioned this, but this team didn't even give up. I mean, they played to the final whistle. And I feel like that's a, probably a, attributed to just this team knowing even down to the last few, the last play, we, we still potentially have a shot at tying this game. And I, I feel like not every team has that kind of will to win, even when they're down. I think at one point we were down by like 11 points with nine minutes left to go. And some teams may not think that they can, they can overcome this. Um, but hey, Auburn seems to overcome this, and I, I think that's a bright point um, of this of this team, and that's something that's going to carry you further um, in a season because of of their just will to just not quit during a game. Gus will not always be Auburn's coach. We don't know when that journey will end, but the one thing you you cannot take away from him is his teams never quit. Um, and I, you you can't you can be a big critic of him in many areas, but that's not one of them. His teams never quit. And um, listen, this is a little different. So to me, the game itself feels like Tennessee in 2018. Like we were, no offense to our Carolina fans, but I think we were clearly the better team and we didn't win the ball game. Mm-hmm. And 
But the only difference is, is that I think we, with the emergence of Tank, and we know what our receivers can do, we know what Bo can do. I think there's still, I think that's what keeps it from the sky is falling. There's a lot of sky falling people out there. I might have even been one of them yesterday. When you go back <laughs> and look at it, and you're like, listen, the way Tank's playing, the way the O line's getting better. We're not making the playoffs this year. Let's go ahead and get that out there. But can we get really – can we improve tremendously and get to a point at the end of the year we're playing good ball and we're beating the teams we're supposed to beat? Um, I think we can. And, you know, but we got to put it together. We can't keep saying that. we got to actually do it. But I think that's what keeps it from the skies falling. We have some very talented players on this team, and the O-line is coming together. So just fingers crossed. That's my thought on it. Yeah, and you're, I think you're kind of getting to we need that Gus refers to it and I refer to it as like a complete game where the offense, defense, special teams does well throughout the whole 60 minutes of the game. And if we can put that together, because there there have been obviously points where I was thinking, wow, this is a great offense. And then at the next drive, think, wow, we just went three and out. Okay, where was that? Um and then kind of the same thing with the defense. Oh, great. We got to, we stopped their team three and out and the next play or the next possession is, it's like a back and forth. What are we going to get? And I want to see some, some consistently consistency going forward. More consistency will lead to more success, more victories. Um, And, once that happens, I mean, and that's where I, I think that the that the team just not quitting on, uh, not themselves, not the team, like they they want to just keep going to the last whistle. I think that's going to carry them a lot further in this season um, because of it. Let's address one other thing real quick because I think people are going to make a deal about Bo and Seth on the sideline. Listen, those are two competitors. They want to win, and that stuff happens all the time, and the cameras don't catch it. So um, I think that's perfect. I don't think there's any big deal. There's going to be people talking about the locker room as as Gus lost the team and stuff. Um, I I don't think any of that's true. I think that those are just two competitors. They were off that day. Mm -hmm. They were not on the same page. And, you know, if you've ever played sports um, and you wanted to win the game, you understand how that happened, how two people got heated like that. Um, it's happened to Tom Brady and his receivers and mm-hmm. Tom Brady's doing okay. So, yeah, no, it's a very good point. Cause I think a lot of people are going to just think this is not good at all, but there were definitely times. I mean, they, there was definitely a camera after the Seth and Bo kind of just uh, jawing at each other, uh, that happened. And after the fact the, the there was another camera view and I was looking at Seth and Bo and they were just having a very civil conversation about, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what, but it was probably Seth talking about, I'm going to run this route in this situation. And it was very civil, calm, back to the normal. So I think it was just the frustration in the moment. I mean, for goodness sake, Jared, you and I, I'm sure we're in the moment frustrated, emotional about this. And we're not even, we're sitting on our couches watching this thing. They're mm-hmm. the ones taking the hits, feeling the adrenaline of in-game um, playing football. And that's something that, I think that we need to kind of keep in mind. And these are 19 year old guys, 20 mm-hmm. year olds that they've got the emotions that they want to win this thing because not only does this help the team, but it may help them in their career of going to the NFL. So they want to obviously do their best. Um, and I think that's what we saw there was just, I want to do my best and something's just not there, not clicking. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite all that, I mean, Seth still, 
had the most yards receiving of, of our team. So like, it's not like a absolutely terrible day for him, but it was one of his, I don't know, worst. Well, games the, the bar's so high for him. I mean, the bar, <laughs> for most people, that's probably a good day what he had, but the bar's so high for him that if he drops any pass, you're like, what? Right. Um, and you know, so he dropped a few and he ran a few. I'll say this, man. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. Stove made a comment. Stove, you know, Grandpa Stove. He came out with his wise with his wisdom, <laughs> and he said, "That's nothing." They were just on a different page, but he made this comment. I don't know if this was telling or not to me. He said, "He said we just all need to uh, make sure that we are on the same page and understand what Bo's trying to do." And I don't know if that's his subtle way of saying Bo was in the in the right. Mm. You know that out route that was you know the the last pick that Bo threw an out route and and Seth went in. Yeah, I don't know if that's Stowe's way of saying Bo was actually in the right. Um, mm. But it was an interesting quote at the end. He didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean anything bad by it. There's nothing bad by that at all. But it got yeah. me thinking. I'm like, you know, the quarterback is the one that takes the blame. But uh, Stove kind of implied a little bit, maybe. Maybe I'm reading into it. He implied that maybe Bo was the one that was uh, making the correct read on some of these. That's possible. I mean, uh, and that's something that uh, I'm sure – I mean, it happens on the NFL level too. It's not just in the college level where these guys are uh, essentially amateur athletes. But I want to see them, like, get on that same page again. Um, And you know it's going to happen. I mean, the Boda-Williams connection is just so good. And it's got to come back. Uh, And I think that'll be a good uh, thing to look for in the next game. Uh, Jared, before we get out of here, how can the people uh, stay in touch with you? Uh, You can just find me on Facebook uh, and Instagram under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?